Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Eve Eurydice. I am Greek from the island of Lesbos, where the lesbians come from. I am the writer. <laughs> um, I'm the writer of three books on female sexuality, Satiricon USA, published by Scribner, F32, published by Virago Press. I wrote the Sex Files column for Gear Magazine. I was a staff writer on sex for Spin Magazine. I've been a sex expert on talk shows and TV shows, um, as well as a multimedia artist with my theme, female sexuality, objectification, and the dichotomy between our bodies and our minds, and finding ways to bridge it. Um, the reason for this podcast is that I have felt that with the advent of Me Too and confessional, memoir, uh, social media, there has been even DNA testing, genetic testing. There is suddenly right now an opening for us to change our ancient, repressive, needlessly um, sh shaming sexual habits. And um, so in order to bring the body um, into the light, we're here every Friday from 2 to 4. Um, Today's guest is <laughs> an ideal guest for this discussion of trying to find a non-binary sexual life and how to lead it. Uh, George Lopez, he's an artist here in Miami at the moment, but he's a global citizen, born in the Dominican Republic. Uh, he studied at the New School, and I know just from talking to him briefly that he's lived all over this country. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Um so I know that you're not here to plug anything, but actually as a private citizen to share with us your truth and experiences and experiences. truth and, and shed some light on, I guess, um, viewpoints of uh, sexuality and sex and politics and how all those things merge yeah. and affect the mind and body. Right. And how we might like shift uh, toward more acceptance and Correct. fewer no's and you know fewer fewer fears, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, there's so many people. I was just having a conversation earlier. So many people that live inhibited lives, mm -hmm. you know, um, that either uh, do things. Um, in secrecy, uh, because they are ashamed of what they're doing. Um, but in reality, there's no shame that should be attached to whatever it is that they're doing if it isn't harming anyone else, and it's bringing them pleasure. Um, but of course, you know, it's dependent on how they grew up, uh, societal right. well, expectations and all that. All we that all stuff. grew up repressed. I don't think there's really uh, an exception, unless you like even if you grew up in a commune, <laughs> you must right, have been right. somewhat sexually repressed, you know, because our traditional assumed given way of raising our young is by saying no. So the first thing you learn is, you know, tiny toddler is no, don't do this, don't do that. And that's right, how right. you learn, not by yes, <laughs> but like good girl, good boy, when you do not do what's a bad thing and what will people say. So those, you know, and then that, we attach shame to all things physical so fast. Right, right. Um, but it's so it's very hard to unlearn because, you know, you've, and it's not just the sex, even though sex is what we're speaking now because right. it's much more fundamental. But even, you know, issues of like anything that has to do with the body is supposed to be, you know, but unspeakable. Interestingly enough, though, I grew up with my family saying no but I was someone of a deviant from, from a young age. Mm -hmm. So whenever they said no, I would do the opposite. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, I'll get my, my ass kicked, you know, and and whooped. But it was sort of the... Negative reinforcement. <laughs> <laughs> but also the the thrill of finding out what why couldn't I do something? Why was I prohibited to do something? What would happen to me if I did it? Right. How terrible could it be? Right. How, how terrible could it be? Exactly. And it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But I also, um, I grew up Catholic. And I mean, I'm not 
Catholic anymore. Practicing, right. Practicing Catholic, my, my spiritual beliefs are based in Eastern philosophies. But that took a lot of time. Um, and not a, a lot of peeling of the layers of who I am and who I wanted to become. Right. But right. initially, when I was, um, I guess, attracted to two guys from from a, a young age and I went I went to Catholic school my whole life and my high school was all boys school so of course you're attracted to the guys so I was attracted to the right there they're right there right yeah. and you know and at that time like at the age of 14 13 14 15 we would do some some very homoerotic things together mm-hmm. you know but my interest always wanted to um for to to go further, you know, like sexually and explore. But you know, of course, some of these boys didn't want to, and some of them did. Oh, so you did proposition? You actually oh, went yeah, yeah. ahead and said, "Would you want to play play around?" Well, I, I I wasn't the 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 one who propositioned, but I was sort of like lured into certain situations, which I took. Okay. These opportunities, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna explore it. And so there um, were more experienced boys who propositioned you. Yeah, there were some of them were older. Right. I mean, um, I remember being, I think, 13, and one of them was like 16 or 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. there was nothing. You know, if I said no, I'm not comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. would they would stop or they would say, oh, come on, come on. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, this mm-hmm. this is my my limit. But then it it evolved, like my sexuality evolved as I as I started getting older and started exploring um different desires and different kinds of attractions, especially to women. Um when when I was about uh between sort of like my formative teenage, early twenties, I was most of my I my first relationship serious relationship of two years was with a guy in college at the new school and at that time I was hanging around a lot of um, gay men of color and then I also had a heterosexual circle you know that I would sort of jump in and out of and at the time I didn't really feel comfortable you know finding my curiosity and my sexuality and and and, and in exploring the, in the a woman, byway right in a byway exploring mm-hmm. the woman body um, but as I got a little bit older, it um, I decided to just go ahead and, and take the plunge and just start, you know, dating women, exploring with women. And I, I find myself really enjoying it and really loving the company and really exploring um, the female body. But it was interesting because prior to that, prior to me being 25 and being in a relationship with a guy and then... Um, be, be, me being in a, in another relationship with a guy who was in the nation of Islam, which is a whole different ball ball game because you know they're very um, homophobic and very um, anti anti queer. You know. So he was he was in the closet then. Oh yeah. Your boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the second lover. one. The yeah. second one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So every time I I expressed. In the in the in that gay community that I had interest in women, they were like, "Oh no, um, why? That's so gross!" You know the, the you know. So <laughs> I started getting this. These, the vagina yeah, is so gross. Exactly. Why you want to be face to face with one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So then, and then in, in heterosexual communities and circles, you know, they would be like, "Oh, if you sleep with a guy, you're 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 gay, and that's what you are. Just admit it." You know, you're not bi. You just want to identify as bi because um, you you want to be accepted into like somewhat of a heterodominant. Uh, yeah, exactly. Heterosexual norm. So I was like, uh, you know, whatever. I'm just gonna do what I feel is is compelled. right for me. And yeah. Compelled to do, and I don't have to explain myself to anyone. So. That's what that's what happened. So from 25 on, I just I was dating women. Okay. And so I'm just going to take no, a moment no, of course. before I ask you about the first time you you know when were sexual sensual sexual with a woman. Mm-hmm. I just do want to say here that there is a long and esteemed tradition which we now forget 
um, in 20th, late 20th, early 21st century Western world, that the longest tra tradition of like 2,000 years or more, 3,000 years, is for the early education to be homosexual and homoerotic. So in ancient Greece, right. in ancient Rome, um, you know, even in England, you know, public education, public schools, you know, um, a lot of uh, going away to school involved the two boys or one boy and the older boy having a sexual relationship as a rite of passage to right. adulthood. Right. And when, in the, in the very rare occasions when women were educated, like briefly on the island of Lesbos <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the schools of Sappho, it was the same idea. It was never assumed that, it, you know, that these boys, and again, of course, the girls, but the majority of the people going to school were the boys, so it was never assumed that they would not have wives, that they would not get married, that they would not have children. Quite opposite. Um, right. It was kind of a way of male bonding. Um, it was used, actually, for nationalist reasons sometimes, because these people would also eventually be soldiers, you know, in their youth after their schooling. So that bondage of, of like, the emotional and physical connection was important. But also it was a way for them to learn sex. However, you know, strange maybe to us, that was their sex ed, and it was more real than nothing, which right, is what right. we get. Right, right. <laughs> At least you got an idea of what the body looks like and what the penis does. And, you know, it was something. So when you were like face to face with that, the infamous vagina <laughs> that procreates, <laughs> you had a sense of what you're doing and where you're going instead of just like your first time knowing nothing. But just by virtue of being the boy and having the penis, you're supposed to know what you to do, right? right? Which right. is what has been happening recently. So yeah, I, th I think that... Um, in in the in the effort to uh, you know validate queer rights, legal rights especially, which is important, and also in the backlash to the the terrible you know um, loss of life during the AIDS, cri AIDS crisis, you know those lines were dug in the sand. But I think it, it should have be, it should be temporary. You know those battles have been fought, those victories have been won, and it's you know. I mean, bisexuality should be equally accepted. It's part of LGBT. <coughs> but yeah, right now there is still a lot of um, yeah, it's, it's funny because in the stigma. 80s, in the 80s and 90s, that you mentioned AIDS and HIV. I was because I had growing up in the Catholic Church, and because I had these um, homoerotic thoughts in my mind, I mm -hmm. automatically thought that I was gonna die of AIDS. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, I was just like, holy mm -hmm. shit, you know, mm -hmm. all these guys, had, you know, are, are <coughs> doing this thing that I want to explore, but they're all dying. Yeah, it's going to kill and you. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to die. You're going to kill you, and you're going to go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and there won't be 71 virgins. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> guy. Yeah. Waiting for me. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. no, that's the nation of Islam, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt, I mean, for me, that was also everything changed, you know, because until then, those rules weren't really happening. You know, everybody could sleep with everyone. I felt, in my experience, I mean, I was in New York, yes, you know, in the East Village. So it was kind of a very particular small community. But within that community, until the AIDS, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to call Holocaust, you know, began, um, there was constant exchange. So queer men slept with, with straight women and, you know, straight women slept with queer women all the time. Right. Um, and we didn't think about it and it was just trying things out. And then you had like a, an umbrella identity for people who really, you didn't want them to know your private business, but you had to say something. And usually the women that I was part of would say that, they were lesbian, but for political reasons. It didn't mean that they wouldn't sleep with other women, with other right. with boys or f men. Uh, sometimes they would date exclusively boys for a period of time, but overall they were lesbians. Had had long lesbian relationships, and that's how I identified from a feminist point of view. So all of that was crushed. Um, first of all, yes, you know, a lot of a lot of women weren't so eager to sleep with a queer with queer men, especially in the beginning when people were dying and no one knew why. Mm -hmm. 
And so there was that retrenchment. But but I think it was much much more powerful within the gay men community because they were attacked from everywhere. So they just had to like join ranks, you know, and unite and hold each other's hands and say, this is who we are. We're here. Right. We got to like defend our own and you can't. So it's like wartime and things change during war because you have huge other emergencies. But we're long past that. So, you know, we can like go back to something much more, I think, uh, inclusive. So anyway, so when was the first time that um, you went, I'm not going to say down on a girl, I'm going I'm to say <laughs> out with a girl. <laughs> and how uh, was that? It's, it was interesting because by the time it happened, I felt like I was old. You know, I was in my, I think I was like 25, 26, <laughs> around there. Yeah. And, you know, coming from the Dominican Republic, we have sex early. Mm-hmm. Like by... 14, if mm-hmm. you say, oh, I had sex with Fulanito, like, like with Maria, like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like in the Caribbean island, I mean, there's not much to do, you know, <laughs> but, yes, but play know. baseball yes. and have sex. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. So it's very, you know, and then that's why I felt like, okay, you know, I'm... It's mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, but it, it, it was good. I just, you know... I kind of I didn't tell the girl that I was. Oh, you didn't. You know, okay, that was my first time. Okay, with, she, with you a, acted like, like yeah, like, like a pro. <laughs> I think I, there was some awkwardness at the mm. beginning, mm. you know, but because a pro I was not. So but she didn't know. She didn't know. Mm. She okay. didn't know. And you know, I guess it was good. I mean, she called me back. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, let's let's hang out some more. Um, so it wasn't um, something that I was. Uh, uh, like really surprised by or taken aback by or like it just it kind of happened naturally and I just, just so you didn't have an identity crisis afterward you didn't no I think I think when I when I spoke to people about my experience they had more of an identity crisis for me <laughs> on your behalf on my behalf than I did myself you know um, and I think even you know my I'm very open with my family and with my mom. So when I would bring guys home, like she got used to bring, and then I would bring girls home, and then she was like really confused. <laughs> she was like, okay, like, what's, what's going on? You know, I mean, but then she was just like, you know, and then I remember a few years ago, um, she came to visit me here in Miami, and this was probably like around 2012. And I was, I was single. I had broken up. I had been dating a girl for about two years. And... We broke up, and I was single for for a while. And she was like, oh, you know, I just want to tell you that I don't really care who you're with, if, with the guy or girl. I just don't want you to be alone. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet of your mom, mm-hmm. you know. And she was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've grown. Because at, at first, when I brought in college the guy that I was dating, she totally freaked out. She's like, how could you? But you don't really, you, you're not, you don't act gay. You don't look gay. I was like, what does that even mean? You know, I mean, no one really, you know, just you have the stereotypical, you know, gay figure in your mind. And, and because I'm not that doesn't mean that I that I I am not that, you know. So, yeah, that's another one of those cliches, just like what we were talking about before. Right. That right. There is, you know, the, the, at least the the the, the culture um, the dominant culture, the hetero-dominant culture, has this I- idea. So if you don't present that idea of queerness, mm. you know, like queer eye, <laughs> right. they, they, they present that way. <laughs> um, and even, you know, so it's the, 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 st- the straight population, you know, has again, you know, has to also kind of like be enlightened and educated. Oh, as definitely, to definitely. There are many more people who are gay who look like, you know, you and your brother and your, you know, boss and your, and that's just, you know, how it is. And probably if you look really deep, you may have the, that, that by curiosity yourself. You may want to like have a guy with your, with your like wife once and see what happens. 
Um, that would be awesome. Right? <laughs> 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 I mean, I think if people were, you know, more open and honest with themselves, they would totally be as, as bi-curious with both genders. Right. now, And I was also questioning the... I saw like some post I think on Facebook or some some social media where um, there's this Dominican singer who's popular now who made gay porn. Oh wow! In the past, you know, I guess as a livelihood or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. reason Mm -hmm. could be because he enjoyed it. I'm not sure. I don't know him, (laughs) but he now says that he isn't gay. He did it, you know, for monetary reasons or what, whatever, what have you, and then. People already said, oh, how can you do gay porn and not be gay? You're gay, you're gay, you're gay. So, you know, then I saw the question. I said, why can't someone identify, let them identify however they want to identify. If if they're not gay, and just because they have gay sex, doesn't mean they're they're gay. You know, it could be, you know, there's so much, the spectrum is so vast. So vast. So vast that... We don't even have names for the spectrum. Exactly. Like the SNM community have names for their spectrum. Right. We don't. <laughs> no idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But also I think um in that you know, in on that topic, if there weren't these definitions, these like super limited definitions of masculinity and how that fits within queer identity, um, a lot more men would be open to their bisexual you know, desires in nature without being paranoid that, oh, you know, I don't appear masculine, I lose my, my you know, masculine uh, whatever uh, attraction uh, in front of women or right. everybody else. If yeah. I, you know, if I come out and admit that I've been with men, that's not true at all. Um, you know, everybody has like their own physical and sexual charisma and pheromonal, um, you know. Of course. No, <laughs> and... and you know, identity, and it doesn't change no matter who they've been with. When I started dating women, and I disclosed that I've been with with guys before, that I'm in fact bisexual, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they appreciate more the honesty as opposed to me going out there and doing whatever I want behind them and lying to them or um, li- living a double life. Exactly. You know, and I think that the women, even some of the women who are sort of, um very heterosexual in their principle, you know, sort of open up because of, of of the truth being spoken. And I think women in general, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, are attracted to that, attracted to truth, attracted to to sort of, um, because they're so not used to it. Right, exactly. Yeah, no. Women are attracted exactly to, you know, the ability of the queer the queer guy to be sensitive, you right. know, to talk about feelings, to introspect. And it's sad that the culture has repressed men so much that they cannot, you know, like speak their feelings and access them sometimes. And they think that makes them like a stronger, more potent male. I mean, that's just insane, the amount of repression there, you know. Um, and I also imagine that sexually, you know, your a girlfriend will ask you, oh, what do you do with the guys? When you're with a guy, what do you do in bed? And then maybe say, we should do that. So it makes the sex much more vari- varied than right. it would be otherwise because she may want to try to replicate that out of some, you know, curiosity for fun, for adventure. So um, that too, I think, would be, would be a great... Um, a great plus. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I mean, I just, I just met um, this lovely lady during Art Basel, and we we were connected on on Facebook. She lives in New York, and we connected like in 2011. We never had met before. So then she was said she sent me a message, and she said, "Oh, I'm go- I'm coming to Miami mm-hmm. for Art Basel. Let's mm-hmm. have lunch." I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So, you know, and then we had lunch. It was great, and I think a few days later. We went to an event. I said, hey, you know, we've been drinking. I said, would you like to um, come back to my house? You know, and then I told her what I wanted to do with her sexually. Good, good, good. Oh, my God. I want to stop. Stop. (laughs) Stop right there. (laughs) That's like half the purpose of this podcast. (laughs) 
is learning how to talk about what we want to do to each other before we do it, which yeah. people don't really practice. Okay. <laughs> so you said to her, can I, you give us an example in quotes, please? Yes, of course, of course. She was, we, were, we were at the Faina Theater uh-huh. watching a, like a drag show or something. Yeah, I remember. I went to that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, so then um, she was sitting next to me and we were drinking. I said, um, I would love for you to come to my house. Um, I, I, I really want to eat your pussy. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a full description. That was okay. a full description, Sweet. and then we, uh, we I didn't drive because you know it was the traffic was crazy yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. So, so we took an Uber back, and we got to my house about two in the morning, mm-hmm. and we stayed up until five in the morning. Nice. So you didn't verbalize everything else. No, I just I I, I just said I I, I really want to eat your pussy, mm-hmm. and then she said, then she said one yeah. thing led to another. Went, right. Mm, okay. Right. I really like it when, like, everything is discussed. I mean, there is room for some spontaneity, but I really think it's very empowering, especially for the woman. If she can say, I want this and this and this, would you be interested in, you know, naming it and changing what, sh- you know, is being named? And right. that has the added, you know, the added bonus of I- immediate consent, because if it's something she's asking for, there is the the consent that's necessary, verbal, right? right? So you cannot then later say, I, no, I didn't want that, you know, he took my head and shoved it on his penis or something. Yeah. It comes from her. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, and and it's also, it depends on the person as well because not everyone you can be so forthright with. Well, you can. I uh, mean, you, you can, can, but then, you know, there's some like, oh, well, what you know, are you if doing? Well, you know, if they say or, no, they say no. You know? Right. I mean, yeah, and, but there's some women that are, that are so conservative that get, repulsed by even that, that <laughs> question, you know? Yeah. You know, or that thought, you know? So anyway, we went back That's to my sad. house. We went back to my say, house. That is sad. It's very sad. But we went, we went back to my house, and, you know, we had a good time. She went she went to New York, back to New York. That's where she lives. She said, oh, I had a good time. And then she asked me via text. She said, is there anything that you want to do next time that I'm – I'm in town. I said, yeah, we should have sex with other people together, with more people together, and I can introduce some dildos into, and she said, sure, let's do it. So it kind of took me by surprise because I didn't really expect that response for her to be so open. But, you know, I, That's guess, great. I guess, you know, I mean, she's a curator. She's an, she's an artist. So mm-hmm. I think there's more tendency to be open, but I mean, I know some conservative artists as well who are like, you know, I can't do that. But it just, it, it turned out really well. I mean, it's it's kind of sucks that she's, you know... She's not here. Yeah, 2,000 <laughs> right miles away, but, but it's okay. I On mean, the mic with us. Right. right. <laughs> to tell us her side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can phone a friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... But I think it's, I mean, that's again, that's like one of the reasons we come here and say this stuff, you know, to take that whole shame out of it. You know, if someone asks you for something specific or if you want something specific, you should be able to say it. And it's much better than, you know, the fear of words. And and I feel um, that we're at this pivotal moment because of Me Too where a lot of, you know, wonderful positive progress has been made um you know especially considering sexual harassment in the workplace what can be said what guys can do you know with their hands and with their words in a place that's really not sex friendly at all um but outside that it it seems that it, it can be too strident you know so it leaves both men it leaves mostly men in the dark, but I think it also leaves women in the dark in the sense of, um, you know, how much do I have to to say, you know, how much do I spell out, how much do I say no, when do I introduce my own desire into it? Um, you know, it, it, one of the problems is that women, you know, the like the mating scenario or the conquest of the female, mm-hmm. all that bullshit, you know, um, is based on the male overcoming the woman's, you know, rejection or shyness or modesty or denial. And it's all self-defeating 
bullshit again because it leads to like date rape. It leads to a place where, you know, the other side, the, the you know, the, the rapist, the assaulter, uh, can claim I, I wasn't sure. I didn't read her rights. You know, she didn't. It seemed like she didn't say it clearly enough. Right. I thought it was consensual. I was reading her body language, and it was saying something totally different. Right. So right. you know, and and again, and on the other hand, the women you know can be so paranoid that like something that would not be harassing or offensive, um, you know, like they're dressed and there is just some minor. Um, um, gesture that doesn't involve any genitals, of course. <laughs> um, you know, again, can can make them feel like they have to stand up and say something because maybe it has um, violated their space. Um, so, yeah, I want your opinion on that. And, and I, you know, because I, I think it's important that that doesn't go too fast. You know, America has a tendency for puritanism. Right. You're, you know, you're not a born American as, as I am not either. So we can see that more clearly, that they take a thing, it's beautiful, and then they start, like, going too far with it, and they become, it, it becomes a tyranny again before you know it, you right. know? Um, and it doesn't matter if the tyranny and the censorship comes from the left or comes from the right. You know, they meet. The extremes always meet in the end. You know, so if it's socialism or fascism or communism, they meet at some place. Um, so, you know, it's important to allow freedom of sexual expression within that, you know, me, the very, very important Me Too movement. Right, right. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a story that happened not recent, but fairly recent, about a year ago. I was in New York visiting my family and I got together with my ex and he from college so mm -hmm. we dated like almost 20 years ago so he brought one of his girlfriends who went to college with us to we went to see a mutual friend uh, singer perform and then we went after we went to a bar to have some drinks I got a little we you know we all started drinking we got a little tipsy we we're feeling nice and I I slapped her in the ass and I think maybe like grabbed her by her hair, like not hard, but like playfully, you know, and she freaked out. She she said, how could you do this to me? I didn't give her permission to touch me. And she stormed out and I said, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I apologize to, to my ex. I said, you know, please tell her that I'm sorry. I, I was totally embarrassed. Um and she wouldn't really accept my apology. And then until a few days later, he texted me and then he said, oh, um, she's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And I said, oh. Then I started speaking to some my friends who are in, in um, academia. And, you know, I, because my whole question to me, to myself, was as a pro-feminist man, how, where does that line is drawn where you're having fun and you slap a girl in the ass who you is not a, who isn't a stranger someone that that you know from college but who have you haven't seen in years you know so for her when my action triggered some past sexual assault which i wasn't aware of and you know i i just started asking myself you know i guess ideally the ideally the thing to do is not to put your hand on someone else you know, but since we were having fun and I thought it was just um, a, a good time, I just I just did it, you know, out of impulse. And and um, and we don't really she doesn't speak to me anymore because of it. Well, I mean, we never spoke before or anything, but I tried reaching out and I was going to send her flowers and et cetera, et cetera. And really want to get together to so I can apologize face to face. But she she didn't want to hear it so then my question was to me you know as because we're all we, in college we're all part of like a, a queer circle you know so even in queerness there's there are patriarchal behaviors and practices that you can express even though you you think you're respectful of women or feminist or you know like theoretically right right but so, if a girl like if she had slapped your ass you wouldn't have cared 
if, no, if you have yeah. if you noticed you right. hadn't cared. Right. <laughs> I, I would have loved right. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but, I think but, but that that's another problem right here that, you know, women have to get to a place. We women have to get to a place where we can be the instigators of sex, you know. And I think that by having gained verbal consent for the first time in history, right. the, the written history that we have, we now have that, that opportunity, you know. We can initiate sex. We can say what we want. And it feels good. I think that if women try it out more and are not stuck in this idea, no, 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 you know, I want to be taken care of. I want to be the princess. Yeah. I want everything done to me. No, babe, that's what you know. That's what you're familiar. I mean, if that's your sexual preference, you know, and you are a bottom of any kind and you're submissive, yes, absolutely. But if you're just heteronormal and it's that you've seen all the movies and, you know, the bride gets carried over the threshold and in all the Disney princesses, yeah, the, the I mean, prince it's, it's, shows it's up and takes learned, charge. It's such a learned expectation because right. you're always waiting for the guy to make the first move. Uh-huh. You know, whether it's to uh-huh. ask you on a, on a date, whether it's to propose to you, whether mm-hmm. it's to initiate sex. You know, you're always waiting for the dude to just make that first move. Which is self-defeating, I think. There is nothing empowering and feminist about that. Right. Um, and... They, the, but I still think it's tied into this whole concept of romantic love and possessive romantic love, right? Monogamous romantic love, because at that moment the initial the initial contact, finally, were in like one of a couple generations only where we get to like make our own choices and they're not ma- made by our parents, right? So as we look around for our choices. At that moment of initial contact, there is no love. There can be no love. It's just a matter of chemistry, you know, chemical, sexual desire. And and, lust, And curiosity, lust. So, but the woman expects to hear love as as if it were possible, you know. So, because it's like this brainwash um, that if you're not loved, you're a slut, or right. you're too easy, and then you're not going to be respected. And I don't think that one thing has anything to do with the other. You can earn the, the man's or your lover's respect. And when you take charge, you gain respect immediately. Um, and I don't mean take charge in the bedroom where you can do whatever you like and the two of you can negotiate, but right. in that initiation, initiation process, you know, that first step, instead of waiting to be selected, you know, like a flower, get get picked mm-hmm. off the <laughs> the garden, you can do the selecting too. And if the answer is no, it's not a rejection because at this moment, the right, the beginning, neither knows each other, so it's not personal. You know, like if you, um, you know, overcome your own whatever inhibitions and you go and ask a girl out, right. you know that it's like fifty-fifty chance. But it's not personal because she doesn't know anything about you. I mean, she knows so little about you that it's not emotional. It's not really, you know, it's so arbitrary. It could be about a million different things which really shouldn't even, you shouldn't think about. Uh, you just, you know, try again. Um, right, and, right. And, and not take it like so, so much as a judgment on, your character, your looks, because <laughs> no, it's not. No, and then speaking of judgment, I mean, there's some guys who ask who ask women, "Oh, how many people have you been with?" As if to sort of determine what kind of person they are. You know, a judgment of character. So if they've slept with, you know, two guys, oh, then you're okay. But if you slept with twenty or two hundred, then you're, you know, you're you're worn out, or you're, you're not, you know, you just you're loose. You know, right. so. I mean, there's this expectation that, that from a male standpoint, that women have to be, you know, this sort of like delicate princess. You know, that's that's the waiting for them and only them. Right, right. So I mean, I, I've heard sto- I've heard many stories. You know, where the the girl would be like, well, you know, I, I'm not interested in only sex, A- and. When I hear that, I say, but you're interested in what begins with only sex. Right. And then if more and more 
connections come up between you, it can develop into a relationship. And then if many, 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 many more connections, it can develop into a lifelong relationship. I don't know. But the issue is, at this moment, right now, neither really can tell. I mean, I think that even the guys who are out of... Um, um, probably protection, you know, in self-defense to appear, you know, again, more tough and not vulnerable because men are trained to do that. They may say, well, I'm just out for sex, you know, or it could be someone who just had a breakup and they're really hurt. They have, or they have PTSD. They have psychic trauma. They really don't think that they have it in them to commit uh, emotionally. But in the process, they may decide they may fall in love or them. They may decide that there is so much beautiful intimacy that they take the next step. These things happen naturally. You can't just like meet up a few times and before the sex, b- b- when, when sex comes up, say simply say, "Well, I don't want to just have sex. I want promises of eternal tomorrows." You know, <laughs> yeah, it's so a promise will get broken because it's based on nothing at this stage. It's so bizarre to me. I mean, I come from the school of thought that the more sex you have, the more experiences you have, the more you're ready to actually be in a more stable relationship with someone. Right. Because then you get to know yourself. You get to know your body. You know what you like. You know what you don't like. You get to explore different facets of you with different people and then bring that totality to... Um, not necessarily the person you're going to be for the rest of your life, um, but different people who you may want to establish something more consistent, more, um, more a little bit more permanent for, you know, lack of word, if you will, because, of course, nothing is permanent, but for a little bit more longevity, you know? Right, yeah. I get to know and explore, you know, like I would never w- would would desire to have sex with a virgin because what what is she going to do? What am I going to do? With you know, with someone who hasn't really experienced, um, especially when there are two different levels of experience. When I've experienced so much, you know, with different people, uh, with different genders, and you come and you haven't had any experience, like right, then you have to be the the mentor, right, every day, right. <laughs> exactly, all day, exactly. Um, I well, I. I want to ask you a little bit about polyamory and monogamy, which is where I was going with my previous comment, which is, you know, this idea that true love is shown by, you know, full possession only. Of course, it's one of the ways it can be shown. But, um, you know, the assumption that if you love someone, you can't desire anyone else, you know, and how long does that last? And so what do you think about it? Well, I, I always tell people, I always tell people the heart is capable of loving more than one person at a time, right? So for me, it's, and, and, it's, and it's so weird because I have so many guy friends, right, who either, I would say about, and I know a lot of people, out of, <laughs> out of, out of yeah. all my um, like guy friends, I would say maybe two are faithful to their girlfriends and wives, right? So they're not. Oh, wait, two out of how many? Like 20, 30, 50? I'll say I'll bet about 20. Two out of 20, right? Or two out of 30, right? Because then, but their whole apprehension is in not, you know, having that kind of communication with, with your, with your partner, with your spouse. So, you know, we're, we're not, we're not in a society that nourishes that kind of truth. Yeah. That, that nourishes those kinds of, possibilities or that encourages those truths you right. know so you're and, encu- f- and doesn't encourage like verbal communication exactly. negotiation and it also assumes that especially the women will not have any of it right so they don't even try they, right. they just keep the secrecy the secretive aspect you know of sex right that we had with our parents they just repeat how they were with their parents with their wives so sad. Yeah, and the reason why my relationship with this girl for for two years, um, my most recent one, um, ended. ended, dissolved, is because I told her, I said, I want to see other people. Um, so I gave her the option of either continuing the relationship with us seeing other people or, you know, just parting ways. And then we ended up parting ways because she, did, that she, she didn't want that. You know, so... 
So you would have been willing for her to see other people too, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, that would have been and very selfish of me not to. Right. And did you have a, s- a setup, like a definition of how that would work? Did you tell her, I give her a way to imagine it? Well, I told her, I said, you know, one of the things that I, I wanted to explore um, is that if you and I are out at a bar and we see someone that's attract- that we're attracted to, right? Like either a girl or a dude. Like, there shouldn't be any sort of insecurities or any um, apprehension in saying, hey, you want to come home with us for the night? Okay, so that's a threesome. So that's not even really... No, no, but that's that's sort of like, um, it's um, polygamy in in an open relationship is the tree. Polyamory. Polyamory, (laughs) not polygamy. Not polygamy. Yes, polyamory. It's sort of like the tree, and then that's sort of the threesome is sort of like an extension of it. Oh, you know, really? Like a branch, you know, for me. For you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, but also it's, all, it's I think, my concept of, because I consider myself a non-monogamous person, but I think it's, you know, it's always evolving with the person that you're with. Exactly. And how you negotiate that. And yeah. if you want to change for that person or if you don't want to change for that person, right. are you going to stick to your guns? For the rest of your life, or are you willing to make adjustments? Right. Um, on how on how much, depending on how much you like that person. So there's a lot of um, a lot of variables. Mm-hmm. Different variables. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the way you, you you said it is that by going together and picking up a third party to, together, a third right. partner for group sex, then you would imagine that one of you would would get more interested in the partner than the other and kind of go off and have your own thing with the blessing of the other uh, main partner, that sort of thing? Yeah, but we didn't even get that far. Right. You know, because as soon as I brought it up, she was just like, oh. Because some people find that it's easier to either have only threesomes, so one one kind of like... Everyone uh, has to be present. Yeah, but I mean, right. th- everyone makes their own rules and compromises and agreements but yeah one of the most common for people to not feel threatened is that everyone is present and they're not allowed contact with that person outside the the sex scene of the of the group um the and then there is the totally different uh polyamory like kind of classic if i can call it that polyamory which is that each partner has more than one relationships, but doesn't talk about them, bring them, or introduce them. So again, very different from the polygamy people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and again, in you know, in both instances, that's meant to reassure the long-term emotional partner to whom you know the assumption is that you are emotionally committed to your long-term partner right. and that you do not intend to leave them right. and are like looking around for new supply or new game or whatever newer versions of him or her. Um, the problem is that in many cases it's only the guy who has this need. Um, the women may not dare. They may not know how to go about it again because, you know, w- We've trained the men to be the hunter and the woman to be the prey, which is unfortunate. It should be the opposite by nature, naturally speaking. Right. Uh, it's the woman who is really the predator. Uh, you know, she has longer orgasms. She needs more partners. She just needs to have as many as good and the best, you know, swimmer. It, it knocks her up, impregnates her. That's really where we're started with this. Um but I, but yeah, the way that it's set up usually is that there is a control. So either whatever happens outside the couple stays out of the couple, mm-hmm. you know, or that everything happens when everybody's present, and then there is no texting, no communicating, no calling. Um, and if those rules get broken, then people start getting insecure, you know, and wounded. Um, yeah, I get I get really turned on by threesomes, and but not everyone. Like I, for example, there's an, another girl that I met during the art season in December. She's from Egypt. It was her first time leaving Egypt. Wow. Um, she she came here to the Fountainhead residency. 
mm-hmm. as a, as a resident. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met. We went out. I took her to the strip club for the first time. <laughs> Madonna or where? No, it's um Winterland. Uh, no, B- Bikini Bar. It's uh, a small Bikini Bar. I know Bikini yeah, yeah, Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, place. me too. <laughs> up, up the yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I took her there, and she, you know, and and the women are are more real. More, not, yeah, not just more real, but they approach women more because they don't feel like you know men go there to like gawk and mm-hmm. and touch them, but they they're more interactive with mm-hmm. other women. True, yeah. So she loved it. And she started, you know, she get she went there really shy. By the end of the night, she was like smacking ass, and, <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah. So um, we had a really good connection. We we had you know some intimate moments, and then there was this there was this guy that I was um, talking to at the same time, but they didn't have known each other. So I made the mistake of saying, "Let's hang out." And you're gonna, I'm, I, I'm gonna meet her, and then I'm gonna have him meet the both of us um, later on in the night. So that happened. So we all started drinking. I started. We were out in Winwood. I started like making out with both of them at Wood Tavern. <laughs> and so you were all sitting at the table then. Yeah. We okay. were, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, w- I was like, she was sitting next to me. I was on sitting on, on his lap, and she was sitting next to me. So we started making out. Mm-hmm. But then he like ended up liking me a lot so he got kind of um he didn't want a threesome with a woman or with at all with anyone but she was open to it so then that kind of because i didn't communicate what i wanted to to the both of them i just sort of let like the drinks flow and let our sort of like i try to push it you know not forcefully but like Okay, yeah. you know we're kissing. Now, yeah, we, lead the dance. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So that it kind of it backfired because they both stopped stopped talking to me because no way. Yeah, you didn't even sleep with a guy. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. The worst story. Wait, exactly, because what did you do wrong? Say it again. Uh, because he felt like I was treating him like a piece of meat, like I just just throwing him into a threesome with a girl without him wanting it, you know, and and then she. Was like she called me the next day. She was like, "Hey, hey um, I had such a good time. Let's do it again." But then they ran into each other again, and he told her like he liked like like he liked me, and then she stopped talking to me too. So it all completely backfired. So like this whole dance that I was leading, it was it led that's to a nowhere. Terrible story, which makes no sense to me. But yeah, and that's only because you wanted to bring everybody together. Well, yeah. she, but because I I, I that's it's. I'm trying to find that 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 space where I can be like, you know, I'm into threesomes and are you down? Yeah, well, you gotta say it. You gotta say it. That's you know? it. That's that. Like that's the whole thing about speaking it. Right. We gotta speak it. We gotta put it in the exact words so there isn't this, like misunderstanding. You know, like I feel the same about a woman who's like being with a guy, and then suddenly she doesn't want to do it that time. But he doesn't read the no is no because they've just done it, you know, 50 times or whatever. Right. And she has to, she doesn't just say no. You know, she just doesn't like squ- squirm. She has to say this is rape. This would be assault. This is assault. You know, name the thing. So the same, like you have to say, I want to be with both of you. Is that okay with you guys? Do you want to like be with me together? You know, and if it's not, okay, I'll be with one of you like you know, two days from now, and I'll go home with the mm. other. Right. Um, but like you gotta speak it. Yeah, you have to put it into practice. You just have yeah, to put you it gotta into force practice. yourself right. to put it in words, and it's a little of putting for everybody in the beginning. You know, um, I was saying, you know, I had on another podcast, I had a doctor here, and I was saying how difficult it is. Like, you know, if someone has like put his hand up your ass or vice versa. And then you have to stop this passion and say, you know, I got to go wash, you know, you have to go wash your hands. We can continue, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you're not supposed to be normal and real. You know, you're supposed to like be so swept away by these like overwhelming arrows that shot the arrow, you know, right, and has right. taken control of your, you know, common sense and logic and senses. But, like, that's self-defeating, you know, that makes us not quite 
you know, uh, conscious of what we do, and I think it's much better sex when we are conscious, and that's when we can actually, like, describe, you know, articulate compassionately what we would like, you know, right. and... And the reason why you, we don't we don't ask or speak it is because we're either too... I mean, I think it's mainly because we are afraid of what the answer may be. Rejection, right. Rejection, right. right. So we're always you know, have that in the back of our minds, mm-hmm. you know, but, and not really fulfill the fantasy or, or the goal. Right. True. You know, no, no, no. It's, goal. So it's my, I mean, like I, I always speak it and I have to say honestly that, uh, half the times that it's a no, it's because the other party has been so fucking shocked that they just said what they said that like I can see them shaking and climbing up and their mouth is drying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a physical expression of panic because it's the unknown. What did just happen here? I just said something very you know, very basic, but the fact that out of nowhere I've shown up and said this is what I would like, um, it's easier for them to say no because yeah. they're not ready to accept this whole shift. It's not to, to me so much as... What's happening next? What she's going to say next? What might she do next? Like, this is not the norm. Um, and, you know, to me, it just seems like the logical thing to do. And yeah, yeah. I was I'm uh, showing by example, I'm uh, thinking. About a month ago, I was at, I was in Soho House and at the bar having drinks. And this couple comes up to me and just, you know, you're so handsome. Oh, I like what you're wearing. I like your hat, you know. You know, just like really coming on to me together. And, you know, we just started chatting. And I was just like, are you going to ask me in my head? Are you going to ask me to your room? Ask me to your place? Just do it. <laughs> you know, like just enough of the compliments. Just like, you know, don't be afraid of what my answer is going to be either. You know, I would have gone. You know, there's really good, you know, really good looking couple. So, I mean, I would have went, but they did they just, I think, I don't know if they were new at it or they were just starting to explore, but you can feel that, that, what, that, that they wanted it, but they didn't really know how to communicate it yeah. other than just and how like, often does that happen? So often, yeah. right? Where you know what the other person is thinking, you know what they want, they're but not they going to come out to say it, it. Right. and either you're going to say it and put yourself out on a limb, which, you know, I... I try to do as a matter of principle, even more than desire, just like say the thing and see what happens. You know, it's like part of my field research. <laughs> or, <laughs> but it is really like a lot of it is like anthropological lab 101. <laughs> what are they going to say? Um, but if no one says it, then the moment is lost. And, they b- and, and both sides know, right? And we definitely have many more moments lost in our repertoire than moments enjoyed together with right. people. I agree totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, it's all a process of, of learning mostly yourself, you know, how you're going to ask people for what it is that you want, you know, right. whether in a public setting or in a private setting. Well, but, and I think it just takes practice. I think that the important thing here is, you know, like try, even like, practicing it with your friends you know talking about sex more with your friends helps right Right. Uh, even like practicing it on your way there or when you meet someone like go to the bathroom and repeat it so you know exactly what it is you have to say you know it's like learning a foreign language we don't have the skill for that you know sex negotiation language we just gotta practice it you know and take your chances tell yourself it's like speaking spanish it's like speaking french it's like you know i mean like you you and i are speaking a foreign language we're, we're doing it now without thinking about it, but in the beginning, there was always a process of translation. And that's, I think, what it is. It's like right. translating what you want um, in the words that, you know, seem more um, understandable, but just taking, you know, taking the risk and doing it. And I think it'll change everybody's life, you know, sex life, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, well, thank you for coming. Thank you for thank having me. Thank you for sharing. Me. It was of a course. great conversation. Yes, it Come was. back. Yeah, anytime. And thank you for listening. Uh, I am Eve Sykes. I'm the host. No, I am here. <laughs> You're Eve Sykes? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> I'm Eve Eurydice. I'm here with Speak Sex. And I'll see you next Friday. Ciao. Okay, ciao. <laughs> I'm Eve Sykes.